I believe the invisible heroes of our economies are these exact folks. They're the ones that were courageous enough to start a business, risk everything in their future, including their families. And what do they end up doing? They end up employing a significant portion of the workforce, along with providing us uh, services and products that change our lives. Welcome to a conversation with John Philpin. Each week, John cuts through the noise and fills your ears with interviews, stories, and most importantly, clarity. Clarity in our ever-changing and shifting world to put people first. Over to you, John. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you are on this planet of ours. Welcome to the People First podcast. I want to remind you of a gentleman called John Wanamaker from a long, long time ago. He said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. (laughs) If you fast forward to my guest today, Mr. Steve Brown, he's written a book called The Golden Toilet. And what he wants to do is help you stop flushing your marketing budget into your website and build a system that grows your business. And I have to say, How can you not agree with that? It seems to me he's channeling Wanamaker all these years later. So, Steve, welcome to the People First podcast. John, I'm so proud to be here, and I love the name People First podcast. That's uh, right in line with uh, some of my messaging that I love to get across. Well, you're absolutely right, because when I saw your book, um, which, uh, of course, who could avoid uh, such a headline on the book? But when I saw that and realized that the audience you're aiming at, as in the SMB world, um, in many ways, that's my audience as well. So what I wanted to talk to you today is is not just about the book, but how does how does Steve even get into this to begin with? What was the journey before you were doing ROI online. And by the way, folks, I'll put links and things to all Steve's stuff into the show notes later. But but just to leave a little bit about you, who you are, how you come to be where you are today before we get going. Yeah, John, I, you know, I worked for companies generally in a sales position and I would help them grow their market share. And I was good at sales and I would always get, that's the role that I either was put in initially or at least ended up in and i really realized how how hard it is to for a business to grow and sales is like this one last thing that they have to resolve and it's so nice when they find that one salesperson that has the secret sauce right and so you just ride that horse till it gives out and then hopefully you find another one to replace it but what I was started to notice in that time was that time they wanted you to go and cold call. And so you were expected to barge in, stop someone from fighting the fires they were fighting and to turn around and, and be so excited to listen to what you had to sell them and help you make your quota. And as you might imagine, that was a really hard job to do. It, Ten cold calls, and you might have one success. But also at that time, I was starting to notice that you know there were companies that had 
websites and ours happen to have the obligatory website, you know, that little interactive brochure, basically. But what I noticed was when I went and upgraded them and put a form on there that the request or inquiries that came from that, I would close one out of three, two out of three. Why? Because they were interested in what we were doing and they wanted me to come see if it would fit their situation. So fast forward, I ended up working for that web design firm that I would take this, these two companies in particular, take their websites to. Well, I ended up working for that web design firm. And here I was on the other side of the coin. And so I got to see these business owners come in and I was relating with them because I was in their shoes. But the common message, it wasn't just me now, it was me recognizing there was this theme of all these folks that showed up. I need some help getting my act together online. I don't know what I should ask for. I, that's how ROI online started was I decided that I needed to start more of an educational process to help people understand, more importantly, what we're wanting to um, accomplish. How long has ROI Online been around now as an entity? Yeah, so we're we're on our ninth year, and that's like you know fifty years in in traditional business, right? But in the internet world, it's like oh my gosh, we've seen so many different changes. I know within your book you talk about the idea of you know you've got a website now what. I, th I think you're also a HubSpot um, a, a agency, if that's if I got that right. Is HubSpot for you the place to be? Or, or if I said, I'm sorry, I haven't got HubSpot, but I've got this little thing called Salesforce. Can Steve Brown still help me? I can help you get the assets together. I can get your messaging clear, and we can really help get that defined. And you can bake it into your existing system. So, so you're very much um, a process, helping through the process, and the technology comes at the end, as it were. And if they need help with technology, you've got a HubSpot, and you know a lot about that. But that not really is is not really your focus. Yeah, HubSpot is this beautiful ecosystem that we just decided that we would we would choose one and be experts in it. But at the minimum. In my book, I discuss it is that you need to embrace marketing automation and sales automation. And usually the folks that we work with, they don't have that in place, yeah. especially Salesforce. You know, Salesforce is quite a commitment and you'd have to really be that would be a decision from the top that we're going to embrace this. And that would be a progressive leader for sure. But most organizations don't have marketing and, and sales automation squared away. I, I would actually say there's a, it's beyond that. Um, my observation a lot about the small to medium business world is you've got people that are passionate about whatever they're doing, but they're not necessarily passionate all the other things. If you're in a large organization, then those what we might call horizontal things that go on, like sales, like HR, like finance, cash flow, et cetera, all get done by somebody else. And in a small business, that's your job. What I, what I like about what you're doing is you seem to be setting forth to try and resolve that problem. I used to work for a company years ago now. We built websites back in the day, and we built websites automatically very quickly for people who were struggling, creative professionals trying to build websites. And what we were saying to them, exactly what you're saying, 
if you're building a website, you're not doing your job and bringing money in. All you're doing is saving money. Let's get it done right for you. So you, you seem to be on the same, same deck there, as it were. Small to medium-sized businesses are very broad, right? So it could be a butcher, baker, a candlestick maker. It might be a car manufacturing shop, as in fixing sort of the wrecks. It could be a construction business. Any SMB, from your perspective, can play by these rules, or are there specific markets within that world that you operate in? Yeah, I think every small business owner, you know, I do want to take this time and say that I, I believe the invisible heroes of our economies are these exact folks. They're the ones that were courageous enough to start a business, risk everything in their future, including their families. And what do they end up doing? They end up employing a significant portion of the workforce along with providing us uh, services and products that change our lives. And yet they do it willingly knowing they can't wear every hat that's going to be required of them in the execution of a good business. And so my, you know, I really have a passion for these folks. And that's why I wrote this book, because they already have innately understand systems. They have an HR system. They have a invoicing system. They have got a production line or delivery system. So it would only make sense that this, this mystery marketing and this, this difficult sales thing they have to resolve also could be approached in a systematic way. And if I can help them to, to see that and I can help them save years of time of figuring it out themselves, and avoiding a lot of frustration, pain, and wasted money. And right with you on the, um, the who's actually really driving the economy, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, and increasingly more so because as large corporations let more and more people go, they, they're generating more revenue with less people, people are still working. So it must be the smaller businesses that are picking the, uh, picking the slack up, shall we say, and employing those people. <laughs> So tell me a bit more about your book. I, I love the title. Um, I, I understand why you wrote it. Do you tie it in with courses? Is it just a book that people can read and absorb and say, yep, got it? Or what, what's going on in the broader business within ROI Online? How does your own book fit into that story? Yeah, so it's it's a part of a system that I've worked hard to create. But it's like the folks that we really resonate with, they've bought into the philosophy of employing a system or implementing a system to help them prepare to scale their business. And so I, my book, one of the um, epiphanies that I had working with all these courageous entrepreneurs is that we assumed all the fundamentals were in place, but later on down the road, we discovered that what I assumed was wrong and that the understanding of the four fundamentals that I preach that you need to have in place, which is clear messaging, marketing automation, sales automation, and strategic campaign mindset. When they would come in and say, we need to do this marketing, well, marketing, branding, sales, those were kind of all interchangeable words. So when we said social media, interchangeable words, blogs, you know, what is that for? But we would be delivering great services, 
but it wasn't appreciated because it wasn't in the context of the bigger picture of what we were doing to help them grow the value of their business. And so your initial job then in engagement with, with somebody is really to stand back and say, I understand the problem you think you've got. Let me explain to the problem that you actually have got and then start pulling the methodology at that point. Exactly. And so that was like, I recognized I needed to reframe the expectations of this engagement. And you've heard that saying where you have to tell someone something seven times before they hear it. Well, in a 45 minute conversation about them deciding to engage, they get to talk most of it. When do you get to reframe, take the effort of doing seven opportunities you don't. So that's where the title of the book came from is what I told them. I would say like, John, John, I want you to understand something. Your website is just a toilet. And you could hear all the, all the noise around them just shut down and they would lean in and go, what? My website's a toilet. Yes. You wouldn't work in an office if it didn't have one, you wouldn't build a house if you and not put one in but when people come over to your house where do you hang out in your kitchen around the patio maybe the fireplace that's where you hang out and so it's just an important piece of a bigger system that we want to get squared away and so we want to get your fundamentals squared away first and then we'll start talking about strategic campaigns but before we run a campaign where do we want people to go what do we want people to do we want to get an email address and a name. Just like when you go to a trade show, you're leaving and, and your office manager goes, John, did you get your business cards? Oh, yes. Oh. And then you take your business cards, but why? Well, I'm going to trade a business card and I'm going to come back with one. And what's my intent? We're going to start a relationship. I'm going to follow up with you. The same thing needs to be in place in your virtual presence. And that's what we're helping them really build. Typical size of company revenue-wise that would work with you? You know, we have, we have solopreneurs. And so you would ask what kind of uh, uh, services that we offer. So a solopreneur, oftentimes we'll do a little light version if they want us to help them. Also, we can teach someone to do it themselves. But generally, the companies that we have, you know, they have 20 or less employees. They you know, that whatever that revenue generally is, 600,000, you know, 2 million or whatever. But we have, we can take it and do it for them and get their fundamentals squared away. And then we can transition at the end of four months into what we call a strategic campaign cadence after that and continue to build upon evergreen assets that will help them keep their landing pages uh, busy. And I presume that in some of these instances, they're essentially outsourcing their world to you and you're running this whole program for them, um, running it on your, through your systems, building their leads, pushing their stuff through. And others will say, got it, understand, we fucked up, time to do something different and we're off. Thank you very much, Steve, and see you next year when I need a little bit of a fresh up. Would that be about right? Exactly, because you think about these business owners they're wavering on whether once they are convinced themselves they need to do something about this, then the next decision they have to make, do I bring someone in-house and direct them or do I outsource this? 
And so to read my book, then that gives them the words and the expectations and gives them the, the graphical explanations of the map that they want to do. Then they're in a, a position of confidence to direct better or have a better expectation who they would outsource this to. So I, I mentioned earlier, or asked earlier on about the sort of nature of the businesses. Um, could a retail store use you in, in the same way as a, you know, a, a plant, you know, re reformatting cars or a plumber? Is it uh, to all intents and purposes for you? Does it make any difference as the nature of the business? We're more inclined to succeed better with service-based companies or what are called business-to-business -business type companies. They would be more inclined to take a more long-term, long-game approach to creating assets and and content, be it like uh, live conversations, podcasts, videos, those things that build up over time and picks up their momentum of the folks that they would connect to. So, but, but, so therefore, if, if you know, Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker came and dropped by and said, read your book, Steve, looks really amazing, help. <clears throat> are you in a position to help or, or is it that your methodologies are specifically B2B and therefore the BTC is slightly different in some way or just trying to understand where you sit on that spectrum? Depending upon the type of their business, that would that would come into play in that conversation. The concepts are applicable for sure, but there are other agencies that are more inclined to to run shopping carts or maybe um, um, sales or commercial uh, type uh, transactions online. That's not our expertise, and I wouldn't want to. Yeah, wouldn't want to bite something off that we would be disappointing with that you couldn't digest because <laughs> then it might end up in the toilet golden or not. <laughs> so, so the, the, the four stages in, in the book that absolutely can totally see the picture there. Um, I, I'll be honest, I've, I've looked at the book. I've sort of read the highlights. I haven't been through it, um, but it looks a very approachable book. I mean, you know, picture on the front side, it does look approachable. It doesn't look like I'm going to get some, you know, Philip Kotler's stuff thrown at me and go, huh? So, so for that, I say congratulations and thank you for making something like this because it it does get a bit messy. This stuff, without a shadow of a doubt. And again, I, like like you, I'm a big fan of the SMB world, and we don't have time in SMBs to read textbooks of stuff. So, are there any models that you was before you wrote the book? Anything out there you thought I'm going to write a book, but I'm going to do it like. Or anybody motivated you to think this is the way? Or, or did it all come out of Steve's brain and you just went, wow, that's it, like mic drop, boom. I had been convicted that I needed to write them. But I would have these great conversations with, with so many entrepreneurs. But one day I was really convicted that I needed to write it down so that it would be more codified and that I could share it with more people other than just the people I met face-to-face -face or, or Zoom to Zoom. And so... I didn't want to write a book that was just a rehash of something that had already been there. I, I was reading a book called What the Heck is EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. I was um, on a plane flying to San Francisco to go to a Google conference, a Google Next conference, and I was reading this book and I loved 
how the book flowed and what it was doing. It was help. It was a book written that the business owner would give to their employees so they would understand the model that they were about to adopt and the change that they were about to go through. And it, it dawned on me that I had the entrepreneurial business slash sales operating system already in place. I just hadn't codified it. So I hadn't branded it and put a name on it, but it, every client that we would bring on, we would take them through a boot camp at the beginning where we did, we would get their messaging clear. We would bake that into some marketing automation, bake it into some sales automation, and then design a strategic campaign around the landing page. And when I saw that EOS, then I could envision what mine looks like, and it's called the growth stack. But these are, they're universal applications of many concepts that you bump into all the time. Someone is just backed up, named it, and wrote in detail about each step. And that's, in essence, what this book is about. Although you do have to convince someone that change is on the way, and the way that you're doing things now is not going to be tenable. You're going to have to embrace the online world, the virtual world, because your customers are expecting it of you. And in fact, amplified on steroids in 2020, of course, because what was going to happen anyway has happened. It's been compressed into nine months, what was going to take maybe 15 years. So are you seeing more take up in your own world? Are more people going with, I'm thinking specifically about 2020, are calling up and saying, ah, yes, please help. Or, you know, in other words, how are you feeling the market in terms of the people looking for you to help? Bigger, better, stronger? I think more because if they were sitting on the fence last year, they got pushed off the fence this year. Who would have ever thought if I would have told you, you better read my book and get your act together. If I told you this in January and I said, look, because you're not going to be able to shake someone's hand. They're not going to be able to come into your your studio or your 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 showroom, you're not going to be able to send your salespeople to meet them for coffee or go to the conference table with them. They would have they would have like, oh Steve, you're being dramatic. But now they're trying to figure out how to quickly transition their team into being excellent on Zoom sales calls. They're trying to figure out a way to be effective online and take a, a lead a submission off the website and turn it into a relationship or a business, right? And so now that they did all the work in the physical world, there's an open sign, hours of operation, where to park, where to order, where to wait, that's all clear. But online, it's not, it's a big mystery mess, right? And so we help them tighten those details up. In fact, my observation, it's even worse because at some point in a small to medium-sized business industry, somebody's gone along and said, what you need, my friends, is a website. And they've said, I think you're absolutely right. I'll have a website. Thank you very much. And there it sits. And it's forgotten about. And so when you say things like opening times, back then they opened whatever it was. It might have changed hands twice, the business. And it's still sitting there. and they've forgotten it's extraordinary that how how well it's not extraordinary i understand why 
But that, I think, is just alone a rampant place to go and sort of find new business for people building websites to turn them into something dynamic and living. And as you say, part of your business, albeit just the toilet. I still can't get over that. <laughs> I still can't get over it. <laughs> so, uh, folks, I will I will try and work out how to include a picture of um, the cover of Steve's book in, in the podcast notes. I'm not sure I can do it, but we'll find out because it, it's great. So, Steve, um, fr- from your perspective, is there anything specific that you would like to bring out about that I've not asked about today that you'd like to sort of make sure that people don't miss about what you're talking about? I think the number one takeaway from this conversation, and it's probably baked into all your conversations that you have anyway, when you talk about people first, is that the challenge for these business owners is they need to figure out a way to be personable in a digital world. And here's the problem with marketing. That platform has technology. And so everybody gets focused on the technical stuff. And the marketing message is designed for what I call the Dillard's mannequin. Okay. It's this faceless mannequin with a credit card called the name of it. This mannequin is consumer. Okay. And so the missing piece, and it's the number one thing I talk about when we want to talk about clear messaging, there's a human It's not a mannequin with a credit card. It's a human that has a family, that has problems they need to resolve, that has a job, has dreams. And your messaging, the most important piece, needs to honor that. And it has to be designed in a way that their brains desire communication to be presented to them. And it's around the rules of story. Our brains crave communication in the form of story. And so to be able to understand that and bake it into your messaging of all of your digital, even your handout stuff would be a huge competitive advantage. And so that's what I wanted to make sure that we covered today. You're you're absolutely right. And, And the mannequin, I mean, one of the tenets of people first is people, then process, then technology <laughs> and, and too many people flip it the upside down. so I'm, I'm delighted you're saying that so um this is great okay i've got one weird question for you let's go when you're not doing this because you it seems to me that you live and breathe it what what is this fun for you I, it is fun for you i can see the smile on your face folks you can't see the smile on his face i can see it you obviously enjoy it but do you do things do you have an interest outside of all of this what what keeps the the heart and mind going when you're not ROI onlining I love to cook and so I just that's a part of being creative so I love to cook I love to cook for others when I can and so that would be my, one of my hobbies I really enjoy best dish favorite dish chicken fried steak oh of course Duh. Stupid question, John. (laughs) Stupid question. I shall go. I'll whip myself later. My apologies. I was watching a show of Rick Stein on India. He, He Okay, so I'm watching that. And basically, you know, he's he's trying to get everyone to don't think of curry as like prawn vindaloo. It's all these beautiful other things. Right. But in essence, curry, that's what his main theme of that show is curry. And what it is, the curry is a gravy. 
And so I was sitting there. I love, I love Indian food, but guess what goes with a chicken fried steak? Gravy. It's just a Texas curry. That's interesting. Well, of course, being English, I, I, I judge entire countries based on the quality of the Indian cuisine in that country. I, I've no idea why I do that, but I believe that's just part of the English DNA these days. It's been bred into us over the years. So, uh, <laughs> so I shall look forward to the invite to curry with the with the chicken one one day at your place when all this stuff is over. We'll drop by. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. Wonderful, Steve. Thank you so very much today. That's wonderful you to come along. Absolutely riveting, and I know that the listeners are going to really enjoy this show. Thank you so very much. Thanks for having me, John. You're an awesome host. This has been a fun. We look forward to you joining us next time. And if you found this interesting, please do share the podcast. All the links referenced today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate in connecting directly with John Philpin. Stay safe and stay well.